Welcome to Travel Worth Living, a travel podcast helping to share stories that matter from around the world. My name is Seth, and I'll be your host today as I talk with Goran, a travel photographer who has spent time with some truly unique people from around the world. Through his work, he has gotten to live with remote tribes, learn their ways, and document their stories. During our conversation, he shares some of the experiences he's had and some of the lessons he's learned, while highlighting the fact that we have no room to judge other people based on our ignorance of their culture. I just want to take a quick moment to say thank you to all those who have rated and reviewed this show, uh, whether you've done it on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you listen on. It's always fun reading your feedback, and your support truly means a lot to us. After this episode, be sure and connect with us on social media at Travelworth Living or on the web at TravelworthLiving.com. Now, without further ado, here is my conversation with Goran. So for those who don't know you and who don't follow you on social media and see your amazing pictures, hint, hint, they should, uh, can you start off by telling me a little bit about yourself, uh, what you do, and where you're currently living? A short line about me. Photographer, videographer, I'm TV reporter, I do commercials, uh, TV reporters mostly about tribes, like unique, different people in remote areas. Uh... Actually, that's my passion, and after a while, it became also income of some money, which we all need for traveling, so it went perfect, like from the passion to work, which is actually not work. So, as they say, like, uh, once when you start to deal with something that you actually love, you're not working anymore. That's the best way to do it, That's and that's awesome that you've been able to do that. What kind of got you into film and photography what started that journey for you many years ago I think I mean many 13 years ago I think I had a friend from United States and he brought a camera from US a brand new Canon G10 and he called me like at 3 a.m. in the morning like it was winter freezing cold raining he calls me at 3 a.m. come on let's test this test the camera and I said like oh are you like F crazy, and he said, no, 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 let's go, let's go, I, I was like, no, 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 and then he convinced me, and I went, I tried the camera, the next morning, I was like, okay, how much does it cost, he says, like, something like $500, I prepared the money, okay, this is mine, you can buy a new one when you're back in the States, so that was the beginning, so it's his fault. That's awesome. And so you just started playing with this camera and testing it out. Yeah, I was shooting everything, like from the little rocks, flowers, butterflies, people, shooting everything. And then as my mentor told me, like, you know, it's it's a good way, you know, shoot everything that comes on your mind, what you like, but in in time you will find your own pathway. And actually it went that way. So how did you kind of start I know we were talking before we started recording, you're very interested in unique people and kind of understanding where they come from, their culture. How did that kind of develop from shooting little rocks and just everything to really wanting to uh, capture these people's stories? Good question. After one year of playing with my camera, I saw in my little hometown, it's a very little city in, in Croatia, uh, a girl which was going to the primary school with me. So I haven't seen her for probably 20 years. But I recognize her. She was with uh, Afro 
uh, hairstyle, Afro address, and of course she's stood out from the crowd, especially in that city, because we are kind of like all the same when it comes to dress and hairstyle over there. And yeah, I said like, okay, what's happening over there? Like, I haven't seen you for a while. She says like, I built an orphanage in uh, Tanzania, South Tanzania, and been working on this for a few years. And I was like, oh, that was for me, Tanzania. Well, where is it first? Tanzania and then orphanage and everything was like bombing my mind and I was thinking for probably one day about this and I called her so do you need a photographer over there who can help you she said perfect actually that's what we need uh, I think three weeks later I was with her in Tanzania uh, volunteering actually not just being photographer I was also a teacher helping with many things when you're volunteering you do everything you cook, you clean, you teach them, you play with the kids. And I was so impressed with the connection with the children. And I spent, I don't know, maybe one week also with the tribe, Maasai tribe, that 10 months later I went alone over there to the tribe and I spent one month living with them. You know, from the village to the village, very simple life, in a hut, sleeping with, uh, with people, with goats and, and cows, everything in, in the same same house it was how to call it really a unique experience you know first few nights when i was sleeping in, the, in that bed it's not a bed it's it's how to describe it it was uh, stitching my back uh, then they put the fire inside and you have the smoke because they don't have the window then of course the animals are you know they have the smell but after two three days it becomes normal for you so you don't complain in your mind about that and let's just sleep and enjoy the time but i must say after 25 days without the shower that's the only thing i respect more than before like shower is an amazing thing wow so did you weren't even able to bathe how, how did how do they clean themselves well in that area th there is no rivers like it's in uh villages in Ngorongoro region. So they have these ponds which are kind of like muddy and everything. And I, I don't have a problem, you know. I can, you know, be without batting, uh, jump in the river like uh, I was in Amazon. I was swimming with them even though you, you know you have some animals over there. But, you know, those muddy ponds, it's simply not my thing. So it's better, you know, stink a bit until you reach some decent place. But they do it, you know. Like they, they also have this... Some tribes have this, like, uh, using the smoke to get rid of the that smell. It's They have unique ways to, to clean that cell. Interesting. Wow. So, yeah, you spent a month with the Maasai tribe there. How did you start that? Like, who was your contact? Did you just make friends when you were at the orphanage and you were like, hey, can I come stay with you? And what was the language barrier like? What, what was that first few days? Uh, that's funny. Uh, my contact was uh, my guide. So first time when I when I was in this village, we had this Maasai helping us because we've been working with this two organizations, with the missionary and the girl. So he knew English and he knows Maasai language, of course. So I, you know, just ask him, are you willing to go back to those villages and even go more remote? 
and I have some presents for the people that we met, and he, he was uh, amazed, like, oh, let's go. So you can, uh, you cannot even imagine, like, when you bring photos to those people 10 months later, first photo in his life. He was, one of the guys was so proud, he was walking through the village on the, with, with the, his photo on the chest. And another interesting thing, he was wearing the same clothes 10 months later, probably because that's the only one he has. Yeah. So simple things make uh, people happy, and that's the part I like. So one photo, you made one person happy. It's like, how much is it? 50 cent. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah, so you spent time <laughs> you spent time there with the Maasai tribe and then did you just go back to Croatia or did you go on another adventure? Uh that time I went back and then my journeys become more often than I actually meanwhile I started to do this uh, TV reportage, you know. I received fewer wars international, then you meet new people, then they uh, put you on TV and everything was starting to roll and I started to travel more and more and that's the thing so I travel more and more and I have this hunger which is like getting bigger and bigger you know to explore and meet new people so it's it's like a huh, not nice thing like a virus an expensive virus <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I'm kind of curious before we start going into uh, some of your later travels um Statistically, 50% of my audience is, is American. And for me, I don't know much about Croatia as an American. And I know a lot of other people don't know much about it. Um, so I'd like to talk a little bit about your home home country there in Croatia. Um, how many how many people live there? Like, is it it's a fairly smaller country, right? It's very small. I, from the, I don't know, a few years ago, it was like 4 million. I think it's 3.5 million now. Like we have a lot of people who are living abroad, you know, because it's kind of like tough here. So many people are going abroad, like Germany, especially Germany, Ireland and so on. So I think uh, half of the Croatian are living in Croatia, half abroad. Uh, although I don't think I would li live any other place because for me, it's super amazing here. I live actually in a small village. I have my ranch here, which I you know, assembled um, one year ago. So I'm playing in this period with that shaping, have plans, you know, for, with my wife to make nice things, you know, to, to rent places, have uh, experiences here because it's it's a beautiful piece of nature, you know, forest and everything. And I'm planting each year, at least my goal is 50 to 100 trees each year. So in, I don't know, 10 years, it, it's going to be my own national park. <laughs> I love it. And are you are you in like a mountainous area or is it? Yeah, it's, it's like a mountain area, but it's great because in 30 minutes you can be on the beach. It's very close to the coast, so you can experience actually both things. And for me, it's I like it more here because I'm more like a mountain guy. I like to go to the beach and sunsets and everything, but mountains above that. Yeah, yeah. literally. literally. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, what are what are some cultural things that are very uniquely Croatian? How, okay, that's an interesting question. Uh, Croatia, although very small is very diverse you have the south you have 
very, how, how to call it, temperate people, which you can have like, uh, get pissed off with you because they can be nervous, but at the same time, you can make great friendships over there. So it, it's mixed up, like, like all, probably like all Southern people. And then you have the North, which is for us, as, as at least that I see it from like a Southern guy, which is like more like distant, but again, in business way, my most of my business connections and everything is happening over there. So it's diverse. It's a country with a lot of islands, 1,200 islands and reefs altogether. So for, oh, for wow. such a country, it's super amazing. So we have mountains, beaches, and everything. But unique about Croatian culture, I don't know. We like to enjoy life, like good food in South. Uh, I don't know. We have, what's unique? Fiaka. Fiaka is unique. That's something that happens only in Dalmatia. That's my southern, southern region. Fiaka is a like, state of mind when you put all your, like, not putting effort, but uh, you're not in the mood to do anything. You know, like, like the bad weather is coming and then you're like, low. Like, don't bother me with uh, conversation, with nothing. Let me just live, survive, actually. So... It's a very interesting thing when you ask like someone from Dalmatia to explain what's Fiaka. So that's unique for this region. Interesting. And and the food, you said they have good food. What kind what kind of food is your favorite? Uh again, south coastal side like we have fish, amazing fish. North is like more pork and meat. So again, depending which which part of the region I don't know. I'm a mix of everything. I like everything. Uh, now, especially, I'm married since uh, August, last August. Uh, my wife is from Brazil, so she brought that Brazilian side. Yeah. And it's like, again, it's a mix, mixture of, of everything. I'm, I'm cool and good with food. I eat everything. <laughs> That's awesome. Which probably comes in very handy when you're, when you're living in these remote tribes. Yeah, like, I, I don't pick. Like, with food, what the locals eat, I eat. The only thing I haven't eaten, and I had some weird foods and crazy food, uh, was, the you know, like, the big worms, like larvas. Uh, it's simply like, uh, when you see it, uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine. One of one of the latest uh, stories that you posted on Instagram was um, from Ethiopia, I believe. Right. Uh, I need to remember Ethiopia. The... Let me check. <laughs> um, Let it me was check. a couple days ago now, um, but you were posting a story series about the tribe there. Ah, the the story series. Yeah, the Hammer yeah. tribe. Yeah, yeah. What tribe was it? Hammer, Hammer, like Hammer. A... sledgehammer. <laughs> so yeah, tell me about that experience. How did how did you get that opportunity? Hmm. I was there first time in 2013 and you know I got this information about Omo Valley and the tribes over there. You have many tribes over there in that region. Uh, Omo Valley, it's actually Omo River, so you have this valley around and many unique tribes over there. So talking about Hamad tribe, okay, they do so many unique things, positive 
and negative speaking when you're coming from our culture I always say on my lecturing we cannot judge them because you know we have a different mindset different way of living for example we have fridge we have food inside anytime when we are hungry we open the fridge we eat they don't so they have different rules so you cannot judge them for doing something because you know it's hard to survive over there uh, the most impactful for me was the bull jumping ceremony so the ceremony is about when a boy uh, has this passage from boyhood to manhood so becomes he becomes a man and he has the right to get married so the first part of the ceremony we were searching for this with our guide me and my friend and it was in a like a dried up river it was like just a bit of water when there and from the beginning it was super amazing I saw more than hundred ladies all painted with that red rock clay and mixture of red rock clay and the butter on their bodies and they have like this skin dresses half naked uh, a lot of bells around uh, their knees and with horns dancing and producing like sounds and everybody was jumping in the beast I was like whoa fuck. like I was like I cannot believe I'm here you know it was like I don't know one minute or ten minutes I was just like you know so so photogenic so inviting I didn't know should I film should I photograph should I just enjoy my mind was like you know blowing out so I started like shooting and filming at the same time and then like at one moment uh, something happens like the ladies get crazy because a few men arrive like around 10 men 10 I don't know maybe less maybe more and they start to chase them so what's happening they are giving them sticks and the ladies want to be whipped so actually the ladies are fighting each other which one is going to be whipped and it's serious like each time when he hits it's like a big open wound with with, uh, with the blood coming out and you hit you then you see the old scars on their back and and their uh, front part of the bodies and hands and it's crazy like and then like I was like is this happening like for the second again shocked and so many going through it through mind but then you notice the look on the ladies they are proud they are proud they fight each other to stand in front of the man to be chosen one to get beaten and the story is actually they want to prove themselves in front of the man that they are ready to sacrifice themselves for the future husband so they want to be the chosen one that's the first part of the ceremony I was like I cannot believe so on this one is, lecture yeah this is the ceremony for the boys right yeah, it's, it's the first part of the ceremony. Yeah, and so the, these women, do they do this multiple times, or are they kind of going through this coming-of-age thing as well? Yeah, they're doing this multiple times. Like, oh, they wow. want to prove themselves. Okay. And that was the thing that I said, like, on, on my lecturings, uh, many people were saying, so well, why did you tell them, like, it, that it's not good? I said, like, you know, like, how we talk about our culture here again we cannot judge 
when I come over there, they also say like, why do we wear this? Like, why do we, you are different? Then they, they can judge us also. So yeah. who am I or who are we to judge them? It's it's not okay. So just accept the culture and especially as a photographer, videographer, uh, our thing is not to change the culture. You know, make the frame and try to be invisible. That That's my thing over there enjoy or be shocked whatever and sometimes i get impressed and with this positive energies i have of course you have also this negative side when you see some things but you know that's that's yeah. part of uh, these cultures then okay second part of the ceremony that's finished all crew like now is like 150 people walking up the hill we go over there and then the future groom and the boy which is becoming the man is like completely naked and other men are holding bulls like in the line like next to each other like five six seven bulls i don't know like is there a rule for that how many and his thing is he needs to jump actually jump and run over the bulls completely naked for four times and when he succeeds that he becomes a man and then he can choose a wife and get married so and again like you can imagine the horns the the drums the the bells around it's like you're in some kind of movie and you are one of the actors over there it's it's crazy i can imagine so did they have to jump over all the bulls in a line uh yeah you have many bulls and cows over there but they put like next to each other like i don't know it was like six or seven not sure and over these this line he needs to pass for four times that seems pretty so did you see any anybody who failed that who wasn't able to jump all that way I was attending twice this ceremony in 2013 14 and both times uh, the he succeed so I believe if he does, doesn't succeed, that he probably has another opportunity some other time. Yeah, and he's probably practiced building up to it, but that blows my mind. That's 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 a pretty big jump. Yeah, yeah it is. But yeah. again, their life. You know, when someone says, how do, do those people in Amazonia hunt with the blowguns? Mm-hmm. How? If you, if you were born over there and you need to hunt something for the lunch, you would learn. <laughs> you'd learn pretty fast yeah that's that's incredible and also yeah tell us a little bit about the the tattooing that the um hammer tribe did as well uh actually it's scarification they mm. do the, those ornaments on the bodies uh, it's again it's kind of like scary they use razor blades they cut their skin and then they put ashes inside so they can create these little bumps and that way they paint they, their bodies. And because I don't have any tattoos on my, my body, one of the tribes, which is also in Omo Valley, they said that my uh, body is boring, that my body doesn't have a story. So they are doing their storytelling through the uh, scarification on their body. Again, it's kind of like hard to understand, but you know, you need to spend time with different tribes more and more, and then you can actually more and more uh, get close to understand. 
for the first time when you go there, everything's like, okay, why do you do that? It's not good. It's you can get, I don't know, sick or something. But again, they're unique in their own way. Yeah, that's that's crazy. So how long did you stay with uh, that tribe there? Or you've gone multiple times, I believe, right? Yeah, I went two times, specifically to that Omo Valley, and uh, then again to South Ethiopia, but closer. It's it is on the border with South Sudan with Surma tribe, and they are like even they have this stick fighting, <clears throat> Donga stick fight. That's also like super crazy. Men are fighting each other with sticks, and they get like so bad injured. Sometimes even some people. Uh, uh, die on this fighting so again that's their way to gain respect and to be that man in the village who can choose the woman that he wants you know to be again chosen one so yeah like that that region as i said many tribes unique and crazy crazy and it's very remote like first time when i went over there we needed like four days with the jeep from Addis Ababa, which is uh, the capital of Ethiopia, to reach the villages. Wow. That's pretty pretty far out there. I know, looking at uh, the pictures that you take, you get very intimate with these tribes. Like, you're able to interact with them and, you know, take photos with them. How do you do that? I know you've talked about it a little bit on your on your Instagram, but how do you go through that process to get them to trust you so that you're able to capture these stories? It's it's never the same recipe. Sometimes I take my camera and and shoot, make the photos right away. It's uh, how you feel it, but most of the time when I come to the tribe, <coughs> I don't take the camera out. I spend time with them. I want to share their story with me, I share my story, I show them the photos, we exchange some gifts, like usually I bring some, I don't know, flour or oil, something that they need. And when you feel the moment, then, then you start to make photos. You need to feel that that connection, that they trust you. Of course, you have moments that when they are scared and with a lot of questions, actually many moments, but feeling that moment when someone is trusting you that's the thing and of course you need to respect also each culture because some of the things are not allowed to be photographed like when i was in indonesia with mentawai tribe deep in the jungle one of the things which is not allowed to photograph is their graves in the middle of the jungle because they say then you will attract the bad spirit and he will follow us on our pathway so you need to know what's the taboo in each culture. And that's the first thing, actually, I am asking my guide. And uh, then you respect that. Later, I use gestures with people. Like, you know, hands, legs. Actually, I speak in Croatian because what's the point speaking in English when they no, don't know English? It's very important. Why? Because when you speak your native language, actually, you're using much more your body and then People are understanding the body language, same way you understand them. Mostly, not always. It can lead sometimes to funny situations. <laughs> I can give you one example, like uh, when I was with that lady in Tanzania, and in, I don't know in, in your culture, but in our culture, when someone is showing like this, it's like, you know, uh, F your someone. 
And the guy is showing this to the girl, and I was like, okay, I need to act. You know, you cannot be rude with, with a girl like this. And I went over there, start arguing with the guy, and she said, no, 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 it's okay. I said, it's not okay. It's not okay. She said, no, 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 it's, he's showing me the, the, bus, the bus is full. <laughs> ah, okay. So many situations <laughs> like that. So gestures in our and other cultures, same gesture, it doesn't have to have the, the same meaning. Yeah. Oh, I hadn't even thought of that. That that could be tricky. And I know you took, um, you have your scuba license as well, right? Scuba? Oh, yeah, I did it. <laughs> my wife pushed me into this. I was always <laughs> like, that was on, on my side. But then she's a passionate diver since a child. And she said, you need to experience this. And they're like, because my first experience was not good. I I was like, you know warming and I was dizziness and water, ears and nose and I said no, it's not for me, I will never repeat this again. But luckily she convinced me to take the another uh, the real course in Sydney. I did it and since then I'm in love with diving. Like that, that's like another world for me. Yeah, no, I thought about it because I know um scuba divers also have gestures and so you've kind of been able to use those as well, but uh yeah, so how how long have you been into diving? Have you been doing it for quite a bit? Actually not. Uh, I don't know I'm how being, long ago you met your wife. So <laughs> I'm being active since year, well, year and two months. Oh, I wow. did my Sydney course in December 2019. 2019, yes. But I dive on the best locations so far, like Great Barrier Reef, then Western Australia, Exmouth. I dived in uh, Cenotes in, in Mexico. And my wife said, like, okay, you filled already, like, one of the best top locations. I dived in on Bali, like, over there with Manta Rays. So, short period, but some great spots. Yeah, you've done more amazing locations than many people who have had it for years. That's awesome. Um. Yeah, so if there was one one tribe or one location that kind of stands out into your in your mind as just an incredible experience, what would that be? I was mentioning Mentavais. Mentavais and Bushmans. Uh, Bushmans because they are like so humble and they preserve the nature so well that I was so amazed. And uh, and and the Mentavais like. Just one line from the mental advice. If you cut a tree, you have a task to plant another tree on the same locations or near. And that's amazing. You need to keep the balance in the nature. And for me, that was like, okay, this this is it. That's also my philosophy. Absolutely. And, and where are they located? They're on, on a little island in Indian Ocean, it's, uh, close to Sumatra. It's in part of Indonesia. Okay. Yeah, I feel like so often in our consumeristic culture, we just forget about our responsibility to take care of our planet. And when you start traveling, you see how other people take care of it and you see the need for taking care of it because you see how beautiful it is and how it can be destroyed by greed. Yeah, it's always like if you take, you need to give back. If you cut, you need to plant and for example, also, you asked me about mental eyes. When you see them, how, how happy they are. 
and they live in the jungle. They hunt also hunting, same. And Tawai and Bushmen, they hunt only for for the need, for the food. And when Tawais always do a ceremony before and after they hunt, and they actually want to good spirit. They are apologizing for doing that, and they want to keep the good spirit you know, to have this good energy. So they keep the skulls of the animals in the home. It's kind of like uh, scary when you look at it, but when you know the story, the background, then it's like you see it completely different. At the beginning, you see skulls, and you come in the jungle, and the, this uh, cottage is like, okay, what is this? You think, okay, they, they are going to eat me. You know, yeah. some of the people think, but, you know, after spending uh, more and more time with people, I, I never felt scared like you always find a way you know to uh, understand them and even when sometimes some people get aggressive you find a way like one example uh Morsi tribe they can be aggressive with talking and pushing you but you act the same you accept their conversation and then they respect you other cultures they are softer nicer so again you need to adjust yourself to that Interesting. Have you ever been in a situation where you felt very threatened? It's weird if I say that I was only scared in, in Utah in uh, Arch National Park. <laughs> it's just a crazy situation. I, I don't know. I had moments like when I was in Ethiopia and we spent five days in this village and we wanted to go from the village and then uh, they were surrounding us and they said, like, you cannot go, you need to talk with uh, this guy. Okay, so we went to this local bar. You cannot even imagine, like, it's not a bar. It's a broken plastic table on open space, and he sits over there, 10 guys behind him, and the gun is on the, on the table. So that's the way you start the conversation. I was like, okay, so this is going to be interesting. And what was the thing? Well, all men have Kalashnikovs over there, AK-47 mostly, and they were saying, okay, you were making photos and filming people with the guns. What do you want to do with that? So he was kind of like some local sheriff. And it was hard for them to explain well, that I'm an artist. And I don't know how much time I, it was necessary to convince him. But after a while, we started to drinking beer, more beer, more beer. I showed him my work on my computer and we became friends. And from the first second when I was like, fuck, he has a gun on the table, we became friends. So what do you need to do? Drink beer. <laughs> I love it. That's the answer to every stressful situation. Yes. <laughs> no, I feel like, yeah, I, I, I also feel like you have a way with communicating with people and being able to, like you were saying, reading the situation um, and interacting with people, which I think is invaluable to your line of work um have you ever have you ever been in a situation where you felt like it was hard to read uh and you didn't know you felt very uncomfortable with knowing how to act yeah i was mentioning the mursi people i was visiting them twice and one of uh, my first visit actually ended like this i said to my friend who was traveling with me also a photographer i said like let's leave like that there's no point they are crazy like and they're aggressive for some reason later i actually i understood what happened so we brought presents to the village and our guide didn't give him the presents 
So uh, I had this feeling about him that he's not a nice person, but it was very difficult to find someone who speaks English in that region. So he was the, the only one. What should I do? Like, I felt he's not the n nicest, but yeah. I couldn't imagine that he would not give anything to them. So we brought, you know, some alcohol that they drink, some flour, some oil, some razor blades because they need it. And later, it's, it makes sense. Okay, you came, came to our village, you spent some time, and he probably promised them some gifts and didn't give it to them. And the next morning, it, it was like crazy. Man. Yeah, that's that's a pretty major misunderstanding. Yeah. Yeah. So a, a lot of these adventures you go on, are they just for your own personal... Basically, are you doing your own trips or are you uh, sponsored for a lot of this? Mostly I do it my, on my own, choosing my own location. But uh, lately I've been, I've been doing more and more like paid trips, like for, for example, Antarctica. It, I was uh, filming... Uh, promotional video for a, Ro a Russian boat, let's call it boat company, because they do this uh, expeditions to Antarctica. So they needed a, a video over there. Or for some travel agencies, so mostly by traveling, I do this. I do also like commercial videos for resorts. I did it in uh, Tanzania, uh, amazing resorts over there, and super expensive, and, and that was the fun part of when you get inquired by someone, like the best chefs, the beautiful beaches, and then you're there, you need to do some filming. Oh, okay. I, and you get paid for that at the end. Right? Yeah. Sometimes I ask myself, why? I was enjoying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like, what? I get to enjoy this and you still give me money? I don't understand what's going on. <laughs> I should feel bad, you know, take that money back. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome so you just recently did a trip to antarctica then it was exactly one one year ago wow just as everything was going south in the world yeah before this because when i came back it was like everybody was sending messages how is it over there i was like what 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 is over there what's happening i was reading news oh shit. i was so i was escaping from the virus like he was actually chasing me from the back because Antarctica and then it I went to Peru and then the when I went from the Peru Peru closed the borders and I went to Mexico and then Mexico was the last one who closed and I actually had the last flight to Istanbul Turkey only me and the people from the airplane were, were on this new airport it was like a like a movie imagine one of the biggest uh, airports in Europe and only 100 people walking in a line, you know, that was the last flight to get to Croatia. Man, that's crazy. So how, how long were you uh, down in Antarctica? Three and a half weeks. Okay. The whole trip. It's a lot, but you need a lot of time. Uh, takes time to, to reach from Ushuaia, that's South Argentina, to reach Antarctica. So going over there, it was kind of like, okay, I was feeling seasick a bit. I said uh, to the captain, the, the sea is a bit wild. He said, no, it's perfect. But on the way back, I understood. The way back was like, I was counting days, five days of hell. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat. I was feeling seasick because the waves are, we are huge. And imagine you try to eat the soup and uh, then 
the next second the soup is actually on you, not in you. You cannot sleep because you are rolling all the time from one side and the other. It was like, when I came back, I said, never again to Antarctica, never again. Amazing experience, like this pure purification over there, like you're thinking about life and you're so connected and so unique over there. And I said, okay, never again. It was amazing, but no. But after seven days, I said, I would like to go again because, you know, you, you forget about this negative side. You forget the negative aspects and just remember how gorgeous it is. Yes. I'm curious if anybody's listening to this and they they think that you have a dream job, which I think you have a dream job. It's incredible. Um, I'm going down a slightly different path. But if somebody wanted to do um, like TV production or, you know, commercial uh, shoots, in order to travel like this, what are some what are some tips or suggestions that you could give to get into doing what you're doing? At the beginning, it was it was difficult, you know, to reach out because I, although I had so much energy and everything, I was sending photos to competitions, emails, endless emails, like I don't know even know how how many. And then at one point, when you pursue your passion, when you invest in yourself, in your knowledge and everything else, keep evolving as a person and as a photographer and filmmaker, always absorbing all the knowledge that I can get from, from people that I know, from YouTube, from everybody. Uh, I was so hungry that I, sometimes I would like to call some people at midnight, you know, I'm sorry, but I need this information about photography and People understood that because, you know, when someone is so passionate, they say, okay, I will share with him. And then at one point, the doors start to open. How? I, again, I don't know the recipe. Like so many people are asking me, how should I do it? My short answer is pursue your passion and invest in yourself and your knowledge. And just go, go out and do, shoot and film and repeat and, and send emails and send photos to competitions and then one day it's it started to rolling i won so far 29 international competitions one photo one eight international competition that rainboy so i think every person has his own unique style and a way to to reach that so the same line should be you know live it go out and live it i love that yeah, and people can see if you're passionate about it and you actually put the time into your work. And that, sh I mean, that shows and, and companies love that and they want to work with you because of that. Always 100, 101%. That's my philosophy. It doesn't matter if you're working for money or not or helping someone. It's always 101%. And uh, maybe some of the people will be surprised, but lately I, I don't ask for a job. People are searching for me and sending, and actually I have more than I can do. So now I need to, you know, decline many, many things. That's awesome. So wrapping this up, how has your travels and visiting all these cultures and stuff affected you personally? Like how has it changed from you, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago to who you are today? Some, some people ask me like, did you change as a person? I don't know, did I change? I, I guess not. I just, you know, found myself. You, you shape your skills, you shape your, your knowledge, and uh, you give space to your passion. And 
what else? Like um, things that you respect more. Like I was mentioning the shower before. You you were not you were not thinking about some things before. Like how amazing is a shower? How amazing amazing is a, is a nice meal? How amazing is to have friends waiting for you when you come back from the trip? Your family waiting for your trip when they, when you see that spark and shine in their eyes. You know that's amazing. Like. Imagine if you're living with your family, of course you like them, love them, but when you go away, then you know how much actually you're missing them and they're missing you. So for me, when, when my friend was traveling for the first time with me, you know, he's married and he has children, it was going to Ethiopia, I said to his wife, he's going to be a better man to you when he's back. And I got her with that line. And it was like that. Since then... Whenever we go someplace, she says, okay, just go. I love that mindset. That's that's incredible. And just the places you've been and the experiences that you share. I think my favorite part is just how you're able to share that with us, you know, uh, whether through social media or the photo competitions or the videos. It's incredible. So I want to wrap up uh, real quick with a section I call the rapid fire facts. Do you prefer beaches or cities? Beaches. What is, do you prefer group or solo travel? Solo, definitely. What is the worst food that you've ever tried? That uh, you've actually eaten? <laughs> chicha in Amazonia. Uh, they make it the way the lady chews the roots and spits it out and repeats the process. So it becomes like fermatizing. Uh, oh, wow. It's, yeah, not nice. <laughs> um, if you could live anywhere in the world, where would you want to live permanently? Home, Dalmatia, my little village. I love it. Uh, do you prefer train or bus travel? Uh, neither one. <laughs> don't like cars, walking, motorcycle. I don't like buses and trains. When, when you're traveling, do you prefer a strict schedule or go with the flow? Uh, mostly go with the flow. Sometimes I make plans because it's necessary, but you know, let the flow guide you. Nice. And do you prefer Canon, Nikon, or Sony? Actually, I I'm using Canon and Sony, but you know, brands, all top brands are top brands. So I love Simple. it. Yeah, you're able to use all of them. And last question, this can be as long as you want it to be. What makes travel worth it to you personally? Okay, we can repeat the whole conversation again. Like, uh, <laughs> as I told at the beginning, I, I don't think we recorded that, that for me it's like a big picture and with each travel, each time when you go, you put one puzzle to this picture, which is like, you know, always changing and Actually, I, I don't know how it's going to look like, but you know, each traveling one one more puzzle to all your senses, to all your like you know skills, knowledge, experiences, and that that's amazing. Like uh, always more, always hunger to feel and know more, and that's the beauty. Like you get the answers on travelings, but with those answers, you actually get more questions. And that's the beautiful part. I love that. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I have thoroughly enjoyed talking with you. So thank, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Now, gym time.
Thank you so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and share this conversation with your friends. You can find me on social media at TravelWorthLiving or on the web at TravelWorthLiving.com. I sincerely hope you'll join me again next week for another incredible conversation about travel. I'm Seth Sutherland, and this is Travel Worth Living.